0: listening to the thought leaders business lab episode 98 and today we're talking about how to turn a hobby into an earning opportunity so stay tuned Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. What day is it? It's Friday. What are we doing on a Friday? Well, guess what? Thought Leaders Business Lab is now coming to you three days a week, so bringing you experts to your earbuds every Monday and Friday and jumping into the thought leaders business lab booth the soundbox with Tim Hyde every Wednesday so how cool is that three times a week well I hope it's cool I hope that sounds awesome to you uh, it does to me I absolutely love interviewing the people and having the conversations I get to have with the people in my world and sharing them with you it's Absolutely, one of my most favorite things to do. So today I'm bringing Caitlin Sellers into the Thought Leaders Business Lab and she's talking about how she's turned her passion project into into a business opportunity we talk about how she's found the balance to work between the two and the lessons that she's gained along the way with doing that so let's just jump straight into the Friday episode with Caitlin Sellers welcome to the show Caitlin it's so great to have you here joining me in the business lab today awesome I'm so excited to be here I'm really looking forward to chatting to you today because you've got a very cool story of a a passion project, I'm going to call it. We'll, We'll see, we'll uncover more about what that is. And you've got a really cool story of how you got there. But what I'd love you to do before we sort of deep dive down that rabbit hole, I'd love you to share what you're doing now in your business.
1: Sure. So I specialize in sales and marketing. I focus primarily on a software called HubSpot. And what I found myself falling into when people ask me, what do you do? Um, I give them either this like very general statement, depends on who you are, but often the term digital therapist comes up, which sparks a lot of questions of like, oh, what is that? Tell me more. It allows me to open up the conversation around the different facets of that. So I've got this agency life, I've got a nonprofit called Carolina Women in Tech, and then I've got a podcast called Lady Tech Charmers. So I definitely keep my hands in some different areas, but ultimately all utilizing technology and empowering women.
0: Yeah, love that. So with your agency, let's go back to when you started that. How long ago was that? And what were the sort of clients that you were working with at that time?
1: So I actually started my business shortly after I graduated college during the recession. So I graduated college in 2011 from UNC Charlotte, go Niners. (laughs) And I was an organizational communications and a criminal justice major. So I'm actually a fully self-taught marketer with sales experience. And Uh a lot of that came out of just the sheer need to make ends meet and take opportunities as they came at that time especially with the economy the way that it was. So when I graduated college, I found myself doing IT staffing, uh, direct sales, personal assistant. I was really doing whatever I could. You know, I was even nannying and hosting Mm -hmm. at a restaurant. I mean, I was doing whatever I could to pay those student loans. And a couple years after really trying to navigate my career path, I ended up working at an agency, a family-owned agency and really fell in love with the industry and fell in love with the ability to have a flexible schedule, the ability to be creative. And I loved everything about it, but I didn't necessarily Love the amount of money that I was making. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, just to be totally frank, so I started freelancing. And a lot of my friends and my friends' parents were asking me a lot of questions about social media. And at that time, business and social media weren't necessarily mixing. Mm -hmm. um, But my experience working in the restaurant industry and marketing in the restaurant industry really allowed me the opportunity to use Google. Um, and Google groups as a way to coordinate with other marketing liaisons to other restaurants. And so I started teaching other friends, parents who owned restaurants, other people who had small businesses, and even some of my peers who were early on entrepreneurs. And, you know, by the end of 2013, I uh, was told that I needed to get an attorney and I needed to get an accountant and a bookkeeper because I was going to have to file taxes. So um, I'm, Really grateful for just mentors and people that were in my corner who were guiding me along the way as I was just trying to figure out and navigate what having a small business looked like.
0: So that was back in 2013, and Mm -hmm. you're working in the marketing space. How did Carolina Women in Tech come about? Because this was your passion project, wasn't it? This is your not for profit.
1: Absolutely. So I worked in my own agency for a couple of years full time. Um, I worked in a couple of agencies, freelance and contract and all of that stuff. And I just found this hungering for more. And so I started looking for opportunities to network with other female entrepreneurs and ambitious, motivated professionals in my local area. And I wasn't finding a whole lot. And I really wasn't finding a lot of networking groups locally at the time that were very value-driven. It was a lot of boozing and schmoozing. Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. actually found an article on Pinterest and stumbled across a group called Leva League. And this was online platform really focused around uh, young professional, millennials, and uh, local chapters all over the world were being established. And so I wanted Charlotte to be on the map. And so I reached out and I said, I'm interested. What do I have to do? They said, well, we're trying to decide between Raleigh and Charlotte. And that seems to always be like the competitor for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, at the end of the day, I got it. And I started from ground zero. I grew it over the course of five years. We had over 60 events every month. We partnered with companies like Tresemme, um, Wells Fargo, lots of local business owners, lots of co-working spaces like WeWork, and really got a feel for what it was like to do community organizing and community building, mm-hmm. but it wasn't actually mine. I mean, it was mine, but I didn't have a say so from the top down. Mm-hmm. And so... Fast forward to the end of 2017, a girlfriend of mine who I met through Tech Talent South, we were both teaching for Code Immersion School, and we met and we just both had a love and a passion for tech and we had some other people in our corner who recognized the need for shifting the conversation around what it meant to be in technology but also realizing there are there are not enough women in this industry mm-hmm. like statistically speaking there's not that many of us and so taking the initiative really to create a safe space for women to break into the tech career or connect with other women who are already in the tech career. So how to be able to make different shifts between different job roles or companies, and then also helping companies really figure out how to find the right talent. And that connection came about actually after the podcast was created, Lady Tech Charmers. And we had Carly O'Brien, which is one of the co-founders for Carolina Women in Tech, myself and the third co-founder, whose podcast is on um, Lady Tech Tremors. We had her as a guest. So Mm -hmm. having the podcast was actually a medium of nurturing a relationship, which I think is really cool and really important and something that not everybody's necessarily thinking about. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we established uh, or we acquired two meetup groups. So there was already a membership. It wasn't super engaged. Things like events were consistent, communications were kind of here and there. And so Carly acquired this group and reached out to Sharon and I and said, you know, I have this opportunity and I'm, I'm not really sure what exactly to do with it. And I need your help. Uh-huh. And so from there, we decided we would formalize into a 501c3 as a nonprofit. And we would essentially take Caroline Women in Tech, which is one of the groups and Charlotte Women in Tech is another group and have this parent company with the founding chapter as Charlotte. So by the end of the, uh, the full conversation and the several strategy sessions, we determined that the best way to build this organization was to scale. And Mm -hmm. to create an opportunity where we could use Charlotte as the pilot chapter, but then be able to launch chapters in other cities all across the region. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately be able to package that up and be able to help other cities create their own local women and types.
0: Yeah. So this really, at this point, was a passion project that was on the side and not part of your main income generating business. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you first started, you know, the tech, the Carolina Women in Tech, did you know or did you have a clear vision of where you wanted to take that?
1: We had a clear idea of what our end goal was. We knew we wanted to have traction around the women in tech industry in the Carolinas. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. when we acquired that, that was our initial, we've got to make an impact and this is how we can do it we have a base membership. So what's the best way to engage them? What's the best way to provide value? And then what's the way to use all of our energy to be able to replicate that energy in a way that's more efficient and scalable?
0: So how I'd love to know how you have balanced having your passion project and having a business, obviously you need to generate income. Because there's a lot of people that listen that have got these passion projects, you know, this, uh, I've got this, you know, I know there's more, I want to do this really cool thing. And I think that a lot of people get really confused on how that can happen when their business is actually separate from, you know, most times that project. And I think they start to think that it's the same thing. So how have you balanced the two sides?
1: Yeah. So in my business, I'm... Uh, helping people create strategies for sales and marketing. I'm implementing, I'm doing training and development. I specialize more in a software. So it's really heavy and thick into a particular space. Whereas uh, Carolina Women in Tech and Lady Tech Charmers is something that I have to build into my schedule, just like anything else. So if you want to do anything with ease, the best thing that you can do is time block your calendar and Mm -hmm. follow through yeah (laughs) with the passion projects I may only be able to block in an hour a week some weeks and Mm -hmm. other weeks I may have to block in five or six hours Mm -hmm. and over time it's you know there's been ebbs and flows so I've never tried to put so much pressure on myself to where every Tuesday from four to six, I'm working on this passion project. However, the people that I'm collaborating with are really great accountability partners. And so we have monthly board meetings and then we have committee meetings outside of that. And then any events that we go to, we block that, that time in. And so whatever the prep time or the prep time or whatever it is that we have to do for those specific initiatives, but the more delegation within the organization i can do for on the nonprofit side and then whatever delegation i can do within my business is going to help me live mostly in my zone of genius everything else takes a back seat so if I'm doing something that's not in my zone of genius, if I'm doing something that I'm I procrastinate on, or I'm just dreading the whole thing the whole time, well, like I would much rather be at a yoga class than running in the heat. Yeah. And when I find myself avoiding that running in the heat thing, it's like, okay, what kind of alternative do we have here? And so the balance really comes in being intentional about how you spend your time and who you spend your time with, and. I mean, the other part of balance is knowing what to say no to. You're building a business and you're doing a side project. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunities and there's going to be a lot of people who want to take your time. And so thinking about managing expectations with people and not being afraid to schedule far out. So sometimes people are like, hey, can you grab dinner tomorrow? And I just, no are like, Oh, what are you up to? Like, doesn't it doesn't actually matter to you.
0: <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> you you might get it if anyway. My, if I'm trying to have like a date night with my husband for like, that's our night, then that's what I'm doing. Um, but I don't necessarily have to have plans to say no.
0: Yes. Yeah, so
1: many people miss the mark there.
0: I a hundred percent agree. I think that having a clear vision makes it easy to say yes to the right things and more importantly to say no to the things that really don't get you to where it is that you're trying to go and I I think that when when you don't have a clear vision of where you're heading that's where you know you can get caught up doing all sorts of things and end up just being like where am I what am I doing I don't even know right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Business Freedom Mastermind. Now, if you're an entrepreneur or business owner who is ready for more income, more freedom, more impact, but you're stuck and not sure how to make it happen, then this exclusive one-day mastermind event is for you. Now, there's a strict limit of just 10 attendees where we do nothing but talk business, plan for growth, create lasting relationships, and establish accountability for each and every entrepreneur at the table, and you'll get a chance to share what you're doing, the challenges you're facing, and you'll get the personal feedback that you need to move forward and get different results. So head on over to businessfreedommastermind.com for more details.
1: Yeah, well, and honestly, my passion projects have allowed me to fail enough forward to get clear on what I want to be doing in my business or who I want to be serving or who I don't want to be serving. And so, even though I'm not doing the same things, it still provided me personal clarity on my career path.
0: So before we came on the call, you were talking about going through this passion project. It's actually helped you gain clarity in your, in your income generating business. I'd love you to share some of the learnings that you've had from going on this journey that I find so cool.
1: Yeah, so when I started my business, I was really taking whatever opportunities came across the table. There wasn't a lot of qualifying involved, <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like, "Oh, you have the money. Oh, you need my service. Like, let's do business together." Uh-huh. And over time, the more that I started leaning into what fueled me, the the more that I, the more that I allowed myself to spend the time doing the things that energize me the more clarity that I got around wanting to work with community-centered brands, the Mm -hmm. more clarity I got around empowering, engaging, and educating, and benefiting uh, female entrepreneurs and women in tech, the more interested that I became in working with organizations that had some sort of social good element. The common denominator in the companies that have those attributes are also very telling about the company culture Mm -hmm, and the type mm -hmm. of people that they hire. And those are often a lot more fulfilling engagements than just somebody hiring me to do the thing and to be the vendor.
0: So it's helped you to get real clarity on what it is that fulfills you and has you working in your purpose, I guess.
1: Absolutely, I mean, I didn't even know I didn't even know that this could be my purpose. Uh-huh. It's taken me seven years of community building and organizing for ambitious, motivated women <laughs> to really accept that this is where I'm supposed to be, and there's this comfort and there's this there's a lot less stirring going mm-hmm. on now and more like I I keep going back to this clarity, but it's allowed me to explore a niche Mm -hmm, versus mm -hmm. wallowing and sort of spiraling in this. I need to make money. I need to follow what all these other people are doing. I need to sort of copycat this thing. It's like, no, like, who am I? And where do I best fit into this world? And where am I clearly making a difference? And then how are people, what are people coming to me for? What are people willing to to pay me for? Where have I shown the biggest growth and results to where I can command a certain caliber of clients?
0: Now, coming up with your niche or or niche, as you say, is super important as business owners. You know, having that clearly defined niche and what I call doubling down is so important. I'd love your take on this because you've been on a big journey to get there, to get that clarity. Do you think that you could have just got that clarity by deciding seven years ago that that's where you've got to be? Or how much has you just getting out there and doing lots of different things and probably saying yes to some things that you would now say no to, how much has that helped you find that niche?
1: The trial and error and the, the A-B testing, if you will, that has allowed me to be a utility player in a lot of ways. So I can go into situations and work with clients or work at a company and play different types of roles to see what feels the best to me. And mm-hmm. you can tell when you're in your flow and when you're like kind of awkward, not that confident, second guessing yourself versus like I got this. Mm. This is I could my sleep. Yeah. Kind of thing. And one of those things for me was HubSpot. Like the fact that I have 11 certifications. I've spent the past five years devoting a lot of my training inside of this software. Like for me to not acknowledge that for the types of clients that I'm serving, I would do the clients that I'm doing implementation a disservice mm-hmm. if I tried to pretend that I specialize in a different software.
0: Yeah. the And the reason I asked it is because a lot of people like to have their their niche organized, like from day one, this is what I do. and And I think that whilst I think it's really important that you do at least start there that it is actually the journey. And I love that you, you said the AB split testing. I think that's a great way to, to, to say it, to actually find that niche properly for yourself because It's not something that you can just logically decide. You may not even realize what your zone of genius is and you have to experience these things to understand, oh, wow, that felt so easy or, oh, my goodness, that felt like such a grind. And it's, you know, talking with people, attracting different people into your business to decide, actually, I didn't enjoy working with that type of client so much, but I love working with this type of client. And I I just think that it's something that, Whilst you do have to make that decision, it is such a journey, and you do need to go on that to to find your place.
1: Well, and some people really try to put so much pressure on themselves: of I need to niche down into an industry, or I need to niche down into a particular type of avatar or persona. And there are so many different types of ways that you can niche down. Mm-hmm. But the best way to figure that out is to start. Yeah, just start. Yeah, and if you can. If you can try a client experience with one type of client, take some pros and cons and then try somebody similar, but maybe has some differences and then try something a little bit out of your comfort zone and just see how that feels because it might be a personality type. It might be a a type of culture that you're looking for. It might be a company that uses a a particular type of tool or methodology. There's, again, so many ways that you can niche down. Don't put the pressure on yourself to sign, seal, and deliver one niche area to be able to serve. And seasons change. We Um, change. uh And when we change as humans, our businesses evolve naturally, especially if you are ingrained in the business. If you're working equally in the business as you are on the business. It's hard to not allow yourself to pivot if you need to.
0: Yeah, I think that's beautiful advice and and just said so well that even when you have found a a niche, that it may change as you change, as your experiences change and as you do different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your Carolina Women in Tech came about because you wanted to bring women in tech together and give them something that, you know, a community that they could all come to. But I believe that it's also got an education piece or that you've brought an education piece in with high school girls now. Can you tell us
1: a bit about that? We've partnered with, so Carolina Women in Tech, one of our co-founders is Dr. Sharon Jones, and she has a nonprofit organization called the Dottie Rose Foundation. And what Dottie Rose does is raises money and creates opportunities for all girls coding camps. So there's scholarships involved, there's internships, there's uh, coding camps for young girls, anywhere from five all the way through high school. So that's been a really fun project. And it's also been a really great opportunity to use some of the sponsorship money and the money that we're making from events to give back to our the younger generations.
0: I think it's just so cool. And the way that you've brought in, you know, that education piece that might be, uh, there's probably a lot of people listening that do want to do something, you know, leave a legacy, whatever it is, but can't figure out how to do it as part of their business. And I think that that's why I wanted to share your story of the journey of not just setting up your business, but then, you know, discovering that there was a, you know a gap I guess that people were feeling lonely and not coming together and then you know you've taken that journey and then that's led you somewhere else and I think that that's you know what I really wanted to share today is that journey and really open up possibilities for people to see that there are ways that they can do this alongside their business.
1: Well, and even those journeys led to opportunities like me being on a business association and that turning into a relationship with a high school teacher and that turning into a mini style conference for leadership students at Title I high schools. And that has evolved in the past three years, going from 30 students and like 10 volunteers to 150 students this year, five schools. 70 plus community leaders and small business owners, the cities involved, the school systems involved. It's its an incredible thing that has just snowballed organically. And I've utilized all the resources that I've been able to grow over time with Labo League, with Carolina Women in Tech, with Lady Tech Charmers, with my agency, with past clients, and potential business partners. So it's been a really cool way to see things come full circle, serving another passion project, but also allowing me to deepen the relationships within the business community.
0: What I want to touch on here is the importance of knowing, you know, sort of having an idea of even where you want to go so that when these conversations come up, you know to explore them because you and I met on LinkedIn, I think I I think LinkedIn we might have connected, and you know we were on
1: LinkedIn, and we were in a few different we were running in the same that's right. We, yeah and we actually I was like I gotta connect with this chick, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you did, and you reached out, and we had a great conversation, and you know that led to you introducing me to some people, it led to me introducing you to some people, and. That is, I guess, why you're doing what you're doing is really understanding that um, connecting with people and creating networks and having conversations is actually going, it's what you need to do. You can't sit behind a computer and think, I just, I want to leave a legacy and not talk with anyone. It's really important to get out there and surround yourself by the right types of people and have the kind of conversations that you don't even know where they're going to go. Like we didn't, we had no idea even, you know, what each other properly did, but we'd seen each other around. How early did you realize, I guess in your career, how important it was to build those relationships?
1: So I've always been a connector. I've been on, I was on sports teams. I was in Girl Scouts. I was like the girl at the pool selling friendship bracelets. So I was like natural entrepreneur from a really early age. And so I learned very quickly that the more I was able to make friends with people, have good conversation, the more enjoyable I was to be around, the more people invited me out, the more friends that I made, the more they introduced me to their friends. So I learned quickly, like there are lots of different types of people out there. So if I'm enjoying company with one type of person, the likelihood that they have friends similar to them, are also available to me. Interesting is that I actually didn't go to my neighborhood school. So I went to an open school, which is similar to Montessori nowadays. Uh And so I have severe ADHD. So learning, a learning disability was definitely at the forefront for my parents. And so they wanted to make sure that I was thriving in an environment that could accommodate that. Mm -hmm. but it also put me into a situation where I went to an extremely diverse elementary and middle school. And so I was surrounded by people who were different than me, who lived in different parts of town than me, who spoke different languages than me. And so being surrounded in a melting pot also allowed me to adapt to a lot of different types of people and situations. Mm -hmm. And learn what my needs were, learn how to advocate for my best success environment. And so being in that particular type of school situation, I truly believe that helped set me up for entrepreneurial success because it allowed me to know exactly how to meet my needs and what kind of dynamics and situations I learned best in so I could be most successful.
0: I love that. I love that. What would be your biggest piece of advice for someone right now in their business that has a passion project and they just don't know how to take the next step?
1: I would connect with other people who are also passionate about that. Mm -hmm. So, the more that you can create a goal boss or an accountability partner, the more likely you are going to be able to follow through. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the hardest things about passion projects is you have all these really great ideas, but you don't necessarily have someone who can either a hold you accountable or b balance you out. So, yeah. for Carolina women in tech. We've got three different women with complementary skill sets that have been able to grow a board to the size of ten, who've been able to grow a membership to the size of fifteen hundred, and you know having all these monthly events. But we're not all doing the same types of stuff. So one month somebody could be doing operations, another one marketing, another one events, another one could have a lot of. Uh, one of them has two small children. Sharon has two small children. And so there are some seasons where she can't be as as present and active. And so having other people in your corner to help keep the momentum going is really what has allowed us to be fully sustainable long-term.
0: I think it's fabulous advice. So good. So if people are listening to you and they want to stay connected with you and learn more about what it is you do and you know, reach out and have an awesome conversation with you? How do they do that? You can find me on any major
1: social media platform. I post the most on Instagram, most likely my dogs or my garden, but (laughs) I do a lot of stuff in the community. So you'll be able to get a really good feel for that. Uh, LinkedIn is also a great place to catch me. And you can also email me C-A-I-T-L-I-N, at Katie Sellers, C A I T E S E L L E R S dot com.
0: And I believe that you also have a workbook that if people email you, they can get. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I created a workbook to help people better understand the foundations of inbound sales and marketing, personal branding, and community building, and how all those things fit together, and some of the basics that go into those items. And if you email me, I'll send it over to you and you can also schedule a strategy session to go over your findings.
0: Love that. That's so very generous. Thank you so much, Caitlin. And of course, if you're listening and you have not been able to write that down, that's cool. All the links will be in the show notes so that you can email Caitlin and also connect with her on all of the social media platforms. Caitlin, it's been a... Absolutely. And make
1: sure you go to uh, ladytechtremers.com and listen to the podcast if you're a
0: woman in tech. Definitely. I'm sure that even people that aren't women in tech would get so much from it because I've had a listen and it's fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming onto the show today, for dropping all of the value, for sharing your story and your journey. I'm sure it's inspired so many people. And best of luck in growing it and having that education going out to so many more girls. I think it's fantastic what you're doing. And I'm sure that it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. We'll keep you posted. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders in a Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to forward podcast, click on your favorite episode, and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.